Hey, what's up? Welcome to The Remix. This is Pastor Terrence, and this is a kind of abbreviated, uh, moderated version of the message uh, that we just shared called I'm Not Leaving Till You Get It. And it's um, the remix because it's funny, this week that we recorded this message, uh, it didn't get recorded. And so it was such a great message uh, in terms of what God was sharing and doing in our church that I thought, man, I don't want anybody to miss it. So I decided to do this kind of informal version and just kind of talking through the points a little bit, interacting with the text. And uh, maybe this is something we'll keep. Uh, If you are are listening to us on our iTunes version or the Sound Faith podcast, uh, let us know. Send us a message and write a comment, review and let us know if you like this version uh, versus just the preaching version. I got a lot of friends who listen to sermons. I listen to sermons all the time. But uh, this version, maybe it's just a little different, a little more intimate, maybe a little more um, easier to listen to. Uh, either way, I just hope that you enjoy it. And as I mentioned, the message uh, I preached on this was, I'm not leaving till you get it. And it was on persistent faith. Uh, basically being persistent in our faith and not giving up uh, when we know that we are desperate for for God to give us an answer. And I brought this message from the book of Luke, chapter 9. And for your benefit, uh, I'd love to read it for you so you can hear it. Luke chapter 9, and in the NIV version, um, it starts at verse 37. And this is a story where Jesus heals um, this boy uh, who is possessed by an evil spirit. So Luke nine thirty seven says, The next day after they had come down from the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they could not do it. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. All gripped the disciple, excuse me, gripped the people as they saw the majestic display of God's power. So a couple years ago, um, actually, well, it wasn't a couple years ago, it was last year. Uh, our family went to Australia. I was going there to speak for one of their gatherings and brought our whole family, including my mother-in-law, and it was uh, it was a trip that we had done before. We had actually brought our family before, and so we were kind of prepared for it. But what's difficult in any international flight is your connections. You know, you have to make your crucial connections. Uh, you usually have a large, long flight, but we had to make our connection to LAX, and we were delayed in San Francisco. And so we, by the time we got to LAX to fly to Brisbane, um, we had to really rush to get to the international side of the airport. If you ever been to LAX or a huge international airport, seems like that international 
area is miles away. And so we're rushing, rushing, rushing through. Well, we get to finally get to the gate and we've got about an hour left before we leave. But then we hear some pretty scary news that basically there were some visas that were outdated. So we needed to renew our visa uh, in order to go. And it was something that they could they could do, but uh, it was going to take a little time. And it, it involved me answering some questions and things like that. Um, so, like, we're, again, we have about all the kids with us, and they're hungry. And this is going to be a long flight, 15-hour flight. I wasn't sure. And it was already, like, 10 o'clock at night, so I wasn't sure when they were going to serve a meal. So, so. Man, the family has to split up. My wife takes the kids and my mother. They have to go find something to eat. And I have to stay there. Now, we just got off our flight. We've been traveling all day. And I am hungry. Let me tell you, I am ready to eat the leather off my suitcase. And uh, so I'm sitting there. And, you know, it's funny, like, when you're waiting for something or you're waiting for a ride. You know, you have always see every car that looks like the person is going to pick you up. And I'm hungry. And people are just around me chomping and drinking and just oh I was man I, I I remember it was funny was this person has sushi and I don't even I'm sorry I'm just not a sushi person I'm trying to ugh, trying to get used to it just just being around it but I'm not a sushi person but man even the sushi looked good I was just like man I am really hungry but I couldn't leave right because if I had left or I wasn't there to answer the questions we're not going to get on this flight and so I just stayed there. I waited. I kept going to the counter because people were coming to the counter. And you're looking at the gate and this whole area is filling up with people. And I'm just thinking, how in the world are these this many, these many people going to get on this same plane? And finally, they call my name. And uh, I go up there and I ask some questions. And I'm still waiting. And they're, they're starting to board now. I mean, they're getting ready to board. And I'm just like, are we going to make this flight or not? Finally, everything goes through. And I was pretty excited because I was starving, but I just needed to wait it out. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you were desperate because you had to, whatever you were waiting for had to happen. Like if you didn't wait for it, if you didn't stick around, uh, it wasn't going to happen for you. It's interesting how impatient uh, we are these days. A lot of people are very, very impatient. Um, things that, you know, sh should and normally take a long time. We don't want to wait for. We want it right away. Um, I was really dwelling on this term that a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, who we talk about in our prayer group, uh, men's prayer group, we talk about instant gratification. It's a problem. Uh, uh, it's really a mindset or a need. It's a false need that a lot of people develop where they want what they want right now. And it, it causes a lot of problems. It causes a lot of problems uh, with sexual addiction, uh, financial misuse of their funds. Just, you know, that that um, <clears throat> wanting it right now, instant gratification. I want to instead of really waiting for something to come together. And sometimes we're in a situation where we are completely desperate and we just have to wait on God. It's God's not going to move the time we want him to move. And we just got to be persistent in it. And, you know, I know sometimes I used to feel, well, doesn't God know what I need? Doesn't he already? Why do I have to keep praying about this? Or why do I have to keep believing? Um, you know, there are times when we can't give up way too early. Uh, we can stop working for it, stop pursuing it. And, and this text that we're reading, uh, that I read for you, really just 
models something that I think is powerful, that, that Jesus is so attracted to faith. When you look at different uh, miracles in the Bible, different stories, uh, there's just something that grabs Christ's attention when people are really seeking him in faith. I can remember, I can name a few miracles that that happened and they weren't supposed to happen at the time. Like they, a lot of times Christ wasn't even going their direction. He wasn't even on their radar, but, but that's at least what people perceived. But in his heart, uh, he knew what people needed. It wasn't that he didn't want to give healing. There were just some people who was a little hard because of the crowd, because of the people around them um, that had, they had to either press through the crowd. Uh, they had to either risk embarrassment. Um, they were of another faith, another religion, another nationality. Um, and whatever it was that just made them push forward, they did it because they just didn't have another option. And I wonder sometimes about our faith that we're not really asking God for certain things and we're not believing God for certain things because we have other options, you know, and that happens all the time in, in relationships, really, especially uh, relationships that should be long term, that should be um, something that's sustainable. And a lot of times when people keep their options open, um, when people say, oh, well, I can do this or I can go here or or even if they're just scattered all over the place, you know, there's a lot of people who have they don't really have one source of something because it's too painful sometimes to commit to one source uh and because there's there's an opportunity of that being let down so let, let me try to explain it this way um when i grew up i didn't really have a relationship with, with my father um he was you know he was really separated from the home um he moved and left when i was younger and i didn't have a lot of um I talk about this all the time at church and I didn't really have like hatred feelings towards him. But, you know, a lot of people who grew up in kind of a fatherless situation, whether they realize it or not, they have a father. It's just that they've kind of built and constructed one. And so like for me, you know, I would pull this from my uncle or, you know, I had like all these different men in my life that I would look like, oh, I want to dress like him or I want to speak like him or, you know, I want to handle my money like this or I want to I want to look this way. And I kind of in my mind out of a need really for that fatherly influence kind of built a dad um, through different people, different relationships. And although there was probably people in my life that I really could say were my father figures or or poured into me and loved me and, and I could trust but they I didn't really subconsciously I wasn't able to really trust them because I was still worried about being let down and a lot of people are in very primary relationships like that whether it's a you know um a, a especially a a spouse or like a you know a, a deep relationship like that where you know they they're not really trusting of that person to provide that need for them and so they've got kind of their need met in all these other people. You know, they've maybe maybe their husband is the primary person, but they're not really affectionate. So they kind of get their affectionate time from their friends or, or something else. Or they watch movies that kind of fill vicariously that need or even men, you know, they sometimes they keep um, other women around and, you know, they're kind of filling different roles and and so a lot of times, like I'm saying, we get we we we're not trusting to take the risk of putting our complete source in one thing. You know, it happens all the time in churches. 
You know that phrase of people church hopping. You know, there's some amazing churches, man. There's churches that just, um, you know, that if you're looking at it from, hey, what's in it for me, or how does this church meet my needs, man? There's a lot of churches that can meet every single need that you have. You know, they can just children's ministry, the preaching, music, and it's just on point, and everything is just perfect. And I, I think those are great churches. Like we're trying to build a church like that, but. At the end of the day, like part of church is what you put into it. And if you have this expectation and have this need, um, man, it's hard to find that in one church. And so people kind of church hop around or, you know, kind of find or looking for a place that has everything they need because they don't want to be let down. They don't want to be disappointed. They don't want someone to fall short on what they're expecting. And a lot of times people don't get involved in church because they can't, aren't reliable people. You know, they're, they know that, Hey, what, what this church is requiring of us, whether it's in our giving, whether it's in our presence and our ministry, man, I really deep down can't commit completely to that. So I don't want to serve at all. Well, there's a lot of people who are really unaware of how powerful their presence and their ministry are to people. And that's exactly what was happening in this text. Now, we picked it up at, at Luke 9, where uh, Luke started at 937, where here this guy is who's coming to find Jesus. This is verse 38. Um, and he, and he kind of complains because Jesus has been on this mountain of transfiguration. In other words, uh, he was up there praying and he brought his kind of three primary core disciple team and he brought them up there and they fell asleep like they usually do. And uh, anyway, they wake up and Jesus is just like talking to Moses and Elijah and there's all these lights and the father heaven is talking to him. And he looks like he's in heaven and they are flipping out like they just like what is going on? Like, I don't understand what Jesus, why does he look like this? What is happening? And they're on that mountaintop and it's just like. They're just amazed by who Jesus is and this revelation of of him. And they're seeing him in such a new, powerful way. And, you know, but then they come down from the mountain. And one of the things I shared about when I shared this message parenthetically real quickly is that, you know, a lot of times people, we feel as church people, those, if you're listening to this and you do attend a church, like you are always looking for the mountaintop experience. Uh, whether it's on Sabbath or whatever church you go to, like, oh man, there was this was powerful. I just want to feel this way, and I just want to just feel surrounded by the presence of God and all the music. And and then it's like, uh, you know, after after that, when we get in the car and go home, is gone. And the real ministry, what I love about this text as well is that I shared is. The real ministry is not in the mountaintop. It's at the bottom of the mountain. It's, it's, we go to the mountaintop to get a new revelation of God, a new fresh perspective of him. And he shows us that. I mean, that mountaintop for me is my devotional life, uh, spending time with God on my own. Like that small group, that's, there's a lot of sp- there's a smaller group of people that you really should be doing life with, that you really should be journeying with and that group of people should be pouring into you and supporting you and you should be seeing things different in God. But you come down from that mountain, like that's where the work is. And here they do, they come down, Jesus and his core disciples, and they find that the disciples that were there are in kind of a controversy. And so this guy, this man begins to say in verse 38, hey, I begged, uh, can you look at my son? 
um, you know, he's he's got this evil spirit. And in verse 40, he's like, I begged the, your disciples to cast him out, but they couldn't. Now, early in, in verse 1 of chapter of Luke, very first chap, verse, it says that one day Jesus called his 12 disciples and gave them a power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And so that verse, uh, it, which is kind of repeated uh, different times in, in all the Gospels where, you know, Jesus gives his disciples power to deliver people. Well, they had this power. And so I don't know if the man was looking for Jesus or looking for his disciples, uh, but it's pretty clear that the disciples went out and did ministry. And I don't know if he had heard about what had been done by the disciples or whatever, but he, this guy comes with the expectation that his disciples could heal his son and they're disappointed. He's disappointed. Um, here is the church without Jesus that doesn't have the power to heal the people. Now, they had already been out. Many of the disciples had been out and had d done great miracles and had come back and reported about it. Uh, and these weren't just the 12 disciples. These were of the many disciples that were following Jesus. You know, Jesus is not conservative about his power. He's not conservative about healing. He, he wants it to happen. And so he fully gives the disciples power to do it. But when, it, when they come to this, this group, they're not able to do it. Um, and here's, where, here's really where this, this idea of persistent faith uh, begins to come through. And this is really where I kind of taught a lot about it because sometimes it's in these moments where we can easily give up. And one of the things I, I talked about was, you know, first of all, Jesus is expecting his disciples to have power. Like he's, he's not, not expecting that. Now, it's kind of two negatives back to back, but that's the best way to say it. It's not like he's like, well, you know, I'm just going to give him power to do a little bit. Like he has high expectations that his disciples can handle it. And, and this is really the role of the church. And as I talked to my church about this, like, you know, I, I'm the pastor and everything. And that's cool. I love it. It's great. But, you know, the power of the church does not come from me individually. It's not how great I preach or how great I am. It, it really isn't every single person that's there. And I think there's an expectation that God has of his people, the church at large, to have power to minister to people. The pastor doesn't have to be there for it to be a great service. The worship leader doesn't have to be killing every single week. Like there's more to church than just what happens on a weekend service. It's got to go beyond that. And, it, and church happens in the hallway. It happens at work. It happens in traffic. Church happens when you get home. Like that's, that's where the power is. And there are people who are watching us and wanting something that we have as believers. And we got to be able to display that. And so the church, you know, hey, God's expecting the role of this church. Like, man, I gave you the power. What's the problem? What is going on here? And, um, you know, one of the big things uh, that I said was, you know, Jesus entrusts, he entrusts us, especially those in need with people who are not going to give up on them and are going to be able to, to deal with them in their worst condition. And in this particular story, it's, it's this father. I mean, we don't know what happened to the son. We don't know how he got that way. Uh, but this father is a person who doesn't want to give up on his son, right? Like God knows that this father is going to be this way towards his son. 
He's not going to give up on him. And and I love that simply, even though these disciples didn't come through, even though disciples weren't uh, able to do what they were supposed to do, and I'm sure they were embarrassed. Um, man, there's there's a lot of people there. You know, there's a crowd there. Uh, there is other haters, you know, other religious leaders that didn't like Jesus. They're there. So there's a lot of doubt in the room. There's a lot of confusion. People are like, wow, see, look, these disciples aren't like, what's going on with that? You know, they kind of they kind of blew it. And um, so there's a lot of doubt. And so the, the man could have very easily said, man, I'm out of here. Like uh, these people, man, this is this is a this is a joke. This is a scam. You know, I thought he could heal him. I'm out of here. Right. But he doesn't do that. He stays. He waits. Um, and, you know, that's one thing I shared to another point that was important was, you know, never, never. Tr- <laughs> you might be missing your blessing by tearing down people God chose to bless you through. Um, it's very easy when we're hurt or we're disappointed where we can begin to tear down people who don't build up, you know, who don't who don't come through for us when we need them. Um, this is this is for you, uh, dad or husband, um, you know, who is, has this high expectation of your wife or whoever to, to come through for you. You know, a lot of men have this complex with their mom, especially if they grew up in a not in a, um, a father, strong father in their home. You know, they kind of were treated like the man of the house and, you know, mama could do no wrong. And we have this false have mama on this on this pedestal. And then we get in a marriage relationship or it's like, well, she should come through for me every single time. She should never have a bad day. She should always, you know, be everything for me. And then, if, you know, when, when when you're expecting something from someone and they don't come through, a lot of people want to trash them, want to tear them down. Um, but, you you know, you should be careful about that because the same people um, that were around Jesus, um, you know, God did entrust them with this power. Jesus did give them this power. And he didn't tear them down. He he stuck around. He was honest. Hey, I'm here because I need help, and 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 they couldn't help me. But he's not tearing them down. And you got to be be careful because God uses people to bless us. I mean, whether it's your church, whether your church is is not you know is disappointing you in a lot of ways, like don't tear it down. Don't go around talking about the pastor, talking about the members, talking about the church, like. That's the same church, and a lot of times, if you look back, man, they were there for you, you know, when, 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 when you were really down. Like, that was the church that built you up. And so when you get to a place where you built up and now you're more critical, you know, that's, that's just not healthy. And so we don't tear people down. We don't tear down the, the school that, that brought you through or, or even the business that you're a part of, the, the place that's giving you a job, you know, and you started in a smaller position and you built your way up. Like, trying to tear that place down, that's just not cool. And then, you know, you, you can go across the list. I mean, you talk about the city. Um, you can talk about the city you live in. You know, a lot of people, they they start from the bottom, you know, and they, they're from the hood, and, and then they, they get a little bit of education, and they, they move on. And they forget where they came from. They forget the trailer park they lived in. Then all of a sudden, it's, you know, what's up with that side of town? And, we you know, I don't want to live over there. And, you know, it's just people forget, and we forget but it, there's no reason to tear anybody down because that was maybe the same people that God wants to bless you through. And you might be missing out. You, you, 
when you check out on your pastor and, you know, this is just, I don't know who's listening to this, but if you, if you check out on him, kind of like, um, you know, God may be trying to speak to you. I mean, even if he can't preach, I mean, you know what I mean by that is even if he's not the best oratory, he's not the best homiletician. Um, yeah, when you listen to these guys, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, I mean, man, they are just MVPs, but they are brilliant communicators. And, you know, if you kind of just are, are just listening to that all week and expect your pastor to bring it the way they do, in the way they do, that it's not going to happen. And so kind of checking out and kind of just, you know, you might be missing what God is trying to say to you. And so he doesn't tear him down. Uh, he, he, he recognizes that I've got to be persistent in this. So let me, let me just wrap this up. So, so the guy waits and Jesus says, hey, and look at what Jesus does in verse 41. He, his response is, man, you faithful, faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you and put up with you? Now, Jesus does not rebuke the man, right? Like, he kind of claps back on the disciples and the people who are unbelieving in the crowd because there's a reason why it wasn't, the, the miracle didn't happen. And, and Jesus teaches about this as a faith issue, but he doesn't criticize the man or the son. He's not like, man, look what you, what kind of father are you? You know, man, your son is jacked. Look up it. Cause, cause he, he says this. And right after this, this demon manifests itself in front of everybody. Right. But like I said before, Jesus knows that this father is the kind of father is never going to give up on his son. He trusts and he knows that his son's going to be persistent in bringing him to him one of these days. And this is the moment where Jesus has been waiting for. And he's upset with the people. He's not upset with the person. He's not upset with the person in the struggle. He's not critical of that. He's critical of the people around him. And he's, he's upset because they're not believing uh, and that doubt and that faith in this kind of failed miracle in the eyes of the people was enough for others to doubt. You know, they doubted because they didn't see it happen right away. And that's what persistence is. It's say, look, hey, this church may, this church in this particular story didn't come through. They didn't do what they should have done. And it's like, hey, I, I'm going to leave. You know, I'm done with this. Well, just, just hang on a little bit. Because if you hang around long enough, Jesus will come through. And, and so that's what happens. This guy, or uh, just sorry, excuse me, this boy begins to go into this demonic possession and he's falling out right in front of Jesus. You know, that's the way I think Jesus doesn't mind. And, you know, I think the, the evil spirit was trying to embarrass the kid or, or just show his power or make Jesus look bad. It, it never works because Jesus doesn't mind the truth coming to light. He doesn't mind people being exposing the darkness because that's what his light really does. His light exposes the darkness and, and he just flips out and, and he goes crazy and, and God, and Jesus doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't flip out. He's not scared. He's not afraid. He just says, Hey, um, let's deal with this. 
And, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. There's a lot of things that we want healing from, and we need to allow it to be known to God at least. Um, <clears throat> and even in the context of a, of a trusting, you know, a, a faith community, like we don't want to tell anybody about our addictions, our issues, and we might feel like we don't have anybody to tell them to. But, but you know, if you if you want to keep that to yourself and you don't want to tell God, like if he if the man just said, "Oh, my son, you know, he kind of has a few issues," and he didn't really expose the problem, he told him straight up, "My my son has a demon." Now, how embarrassing that sounds or how embarrassing it looks, this is the truth. My son has a demon and I need help. And so I love that about this man. He tells the truth. And when you tell the truth, you know, it, it makes a difference. Um, and so Christ is able to heal uh, this, this boy because of the truth being told. And we got to be willing to do that. So let me just end it with this, that another thing this story uh, this text really, um, and I really just finished with, was that Jesus heals the boy. And then that, really, that verse right there just says at the end of verse 42, that he gave him back to his father. And I love that. I love that so much because it really speaks to Jesus' trust and in the father. Because look, this is the same guy who is the father of someone who's possessed, right? Like, why give him back to him? Well, think about it. Every time he fell into the fire, every time he uh, messed himself up, every time he the demon showed itself strong, that father was right there. Um, he probably lost sleep. He probably lost his job, lost finances. How could he? How could he? You know, knowing his his son is vulnerable to something that's going to happen, knowing that something could happen any minute. Um, any parent who's ever had a child in trouble or addicted to something, they don't they don't sleep the same. They're not just home watching ESPN. Like it's it's a concern, and this father is attentive to his son so much so that he sticks with him and he says, "Look, I'm going to persist through this in order to bring him to Jesus." And what I what I really the point of this message when I say uh, that. He's not leaving. God's not leaving us until we get it. Means that he's not going to allow us to not receive the healing that we need. And I love this idea of the father, this father uh, that we have, our heavenly father, who is always there for us in our difficulties, always there for us when we act up. And and Jesus is like, I'm not going to let you leave until you get the healing that you need. I'm not going to let you leave this place without your son receiving what he needs. And this is the power of the gospel, that God cares enough about us to provide a solution for us through Jesus. And we got to be persistent. We got to stick with it. Can't give up early. Um, Can't give up on ourselves. Can't give up on our church. And we can't give up on God. God wants us to have deliverance and freedom. And when we bring it to Jesus, uh, he doesn't want us to leave until we get it. Every time we come to church, uh, we are, are, are having the opportunity to sit at the presence of God and in his face and to uh, receive the healing uh, through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. So I just want to pray for you. Maybe you feel like um, you're ready to give up and you just don't think 
God is still um, on your side or you feel like, I just, I don't have any more left. Let me just pray for you. And I pray that you will just hear, heard something today that motivates you to keep going. Father, I just pray as we close this, that someone will be persistent in their faith to know that you haven't given up on them and that there's power available for them. And that, Lord, you want more than anything to see them in health and wholeness and happiness. I pray they'll bring the hope that they need to see that only comes from you. And may you bless us, Lord, as we reach out to you and be persistent in our faith. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. God bless you. Uh, Make sure you listen to other podcasts. You can just download them. If you already found this podcast, you can hear some other content. And then check on our web page and our YouTube page for some more other content that may be a blessing to you. God bless you. And uh, if you're in the Tri-City area, we'd love to have you come worship with us on Sabbath Saturdays at 1. So God bless you. Take care.